um, are there any additional ways to do a self-check on positive leadership tendencies if you're already having healthy conversations like team check-ins and one-on-ones? So I guess, how yeah. do you balance being a team leader without becoming like a mother to them, I guess, or something? Well, I think, uh, I don't know if this is going to be helpful, but this is kind of the first thing that came to mind um, about the first question, kind of. Um because I guess, give me the context in the beginning, because I guess what I, the first thing that came to my mind with the first question was kind of around um, the balance between the energy of being a leader versus versus not, or is that not what I should have took took out of the first question? Because I have some thoughts on the second, but I want to make sure I... Yeah, it, it, it seems like the first one is more about kind of, yes, how can you be a leader, but at the same time, you need to take into consideration that your your team members are human beings, right? Uh, so how do you balance the fact that, yes, you have to push them, you have to elevate them, you have to inspire them, but sometimes pushing means kind of like, hey, it's done. Yeah, um, I, I think a couple things. I think the first thing... Um, is and, and <laughs> oh shit, uh, it's gonna kind of go back to a lot of the things I said last time, but um, but I really mean it though. I think context. You guys hear me say that a lot, but uh, I do believe that that is important. I guess I'll get a little bit more granular when I mean when I say that. Um, it really just depends on if you know each and every person that you're leading at a at a contextual level. So what I mean by that is each person has certain thresholds of, of pushing each person needs certain things when it comes to leadership, whether again, I don't know if you guys remember the last conversation, there's certain things that you can do that are more knowledge based, tactical leadership. There are other things that you can do that are a little bit more around like holding folks accountable um, and being a little hard on them from just making sure that things are being done from a crossing of the eyes and dotting of the T's. And then you also have kind of the motherly feel as well, where you're kind of there to support them in more emotional um, circumstances as well. So each person, long story short, in your team has different needs at different times and different ways that they want you personally to support them. Um, And you have to figure that out, right? Because that's the biggest thing that you're probably going to hear me talk about today and forever is it, it really can't be blanket. And I think when people get into leadership, they they have a blanket overall style for all of their people. And so I think how you can save your own personal energy while also making sure you're showing up for your people um, and and treating everyone like humans is remembering that every single human uh, is a little bit different and everyone has a different desire and figuring out what that looks like. And then hopefully that should help alleviate any uh, energy issues or uh, issues of just trying to figure out the complexities of how, how do you balance being their leader in a business context while also treating them like a human. I think everyone has a different tolerance and a different capacity for that um, in different circumstances. So that probably wasn't the greatest question, but if you really understand and unpack the question or the answer rather, um, probably wasn't the greatest answer rather, it was a great question. (laughs) But if you really unpack the answer, uh, it was really more or less around a one-on-one level. So my recommendation probably would be in your next one-on-ones, Bring up this particular issue maybe to one of your direct reports and, and see what their response is. They'll probably give you an interesting one. So um, that's my answer to the first one. The second one, can you give me the context on that again? Um, are there additional ways to do a self-check on positive leadership tendencies if you're already having healthy conversations with the team, like check-ins and one-on-ones? Um, I think... 
I mean, there's a couple more tactics, obviously. You know, I think um, I think surveys helps, obviously. I think that kind of shows you some data. And actually, are you guys still putting out surveys? Yep. Yeah. So I think survey. I think surveys help because you because that's like more data there. I think even going into the one on ones though, and I, and I'm curious who again who asked this question in a little bit more context. Um, once you're in the one on ones, I'm really curious to understand what you're talking about and what you're asking when you when you mention positive leadership. Because there's a couple things that I can pull from when I hear positive leadership. I can pull a lot, a lot of the motherly emotional type variables, and then I can pull. A lot of the um, a lot of the black and white tactical things that actually manifest someone being successful operational operationally, right? Like so, for instance, you know, if you're in a one on one, I would directly ask the folks that I'm working that are that are reporting to me. You know, do you feel like over the last few weeks or the quarter, I don't know the cadence on the one on ones, do you feel like you know any new ideas, um, any new thoughts, any new perspectives? I've actually given those things a lot of thought and I've actually put them in, in action and, and rewarded you for that? Or do you feel like um, I've heard you? Or do you feel like, you know, we've had a, a good balance of, you know, hearing your thoughts and perspectives when I made decisions? Do you feel like the decisions that I've been making so far have impacted you personally in a positive way? Those are more like, you know, nuanced questions that you can ask that are not so motherly and so emotional that I think will also help people, um, like you a lot more as a leader because it's a little bit more connected to their day-to-day -day versus just enjoying them as a human, if that makes sense. Yep. And then um, the next question, kind of broad as well. No, that's cool. Um, what's the toughest thing in leadership? Uh, yeah, I'll be honest about it. Um, Caring about others before yourself is probably the toughest thing because that's not the that's not the way. Well, that may not be true. I was gonna say, you know, I have a lot of great women women in my life, um, and I and I tend to think that and I don't think this is this is please we have to be politically great. This is not a sexist thing at all. So please, uh, I'm not trying to get myself in any danger, but I think at the end of the day. Let me back up. Actually, let me let me pause. Let me pause. <laughs> let me pause going down that train. Actually, this is what I want to say. No matter what gender you are, no matter who you are, I think how you are raised has a lot to do with how comfortable you are caring about others before yourself. I think that's a better way to put it. And I think what comes natural to certain folks um, is loving others first in a person in a personal world, right? I'm sure we all have been in relationships where we give too much, we care too much. And I think those type of humans actually over index really well in the business world. Uh, surprisingly, um, it's because they typically know how to go outside of their own shell and give their team members everything they have emotionally, tactically, resource wise, energy wise, all these other things. And, um, and, and I think that's really important, but it's also very, very hard because what happens is you will always, and this is consistent, you will always get yourself in a situation where you gave too much or you're giving too much or you are um, or you are caring too much and the ROI does not show up. And you may have your direct report, which may be like your supervisor, which may be the, uh, the, the CEO or the COO or 
whatever the case is going to be, you may have your boss now looking at you saying, hey, why aren't they delivering? I see that you're giving your all. Where's the, where's the, where's the, where, where's the mix up here? And so the punchline is I think the hardest thing in leadership is playing that balance between how do I not give so much that I completely exhaust myself, but how do I also give enough where these folks really know that I care? But also, how do I play the ego game with myself? Like that's the other other hard part. Like we're also humans as well. So when you're in the leadership position, you're like, hold on, buddy. Who's the leader to me? Who's the one that I go to to vent about these things, right? Because that was the struggle that I had when I was ahead of people internally. And I, you know, it's even worse now that I, you know, now that I've built a team of thirty plus people. Now, now I'm looking at myself. I'm like, hold on. Who do I go to when I want to vent? Who's who's here to help me out with my emotional intelligence and my, you know. Who's 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 double checking to make sure that I'm comfortable? Um, so I don't know if that made sense. I kind of fucked up in the beginning. <laughs> I didn't want to go no, down. Good. I didn't want to go down any dangerous roads here. We gotta be. We gotta be. We gotta be uh, correct nowadays. But um, I think you guys understood my intent and where I was trying to go with it. So yeah, I apologize, apologies for anybody that. I, I You're good. Um, and then the next question, kind of, I guess, ties into this one, right? So how can one become a good leader? Um, tips to be a good leader and help. The, and how can one help the team reach goals together as, I guess, a unit versus, you know, an individual? Uh, let's talk about tips on being a good leader. Uh, I think they just mean at a macro broad level. Mm-hmm. Um. Let me give you some. I guess what defines right or be a good leader. Yeah, do you guys have a do you have maybe even a macro perspective on that that this person may like do you can you maybe point me in a direction of what a good leader because that's the thing right everyone has different different definitions of a good leader like like you know Kathleen you know this I've made arguments where I think there are I think there are I think there are folks in the world that deserve to get north of $100,000 simply for being you know, simply for being kind of like a, are you guys, are you guys familiar with uh, Wendy off of the show Billions? Anyone, anyone know the show Billions on HBO? It's about, uh, don't worry about it. Anyway, there's, there's a high performance executive coach inside that company, long story short. And all she does, seriously, all she does is do like motherly emotional things and like hears people out and supports them with like the way they view themselves in the world. But you know what it does? This is a this is a it's like a hundred billion dollar like stock portfolio type investing firm in New York. And her being there, she's the second highest paid person in that company. And her being there doing that allows all of the individuals inside the company to release all stress and all anxiety and all uncomfortability for them to focus purely on their work at a very high level. And she's paid incredibly well for that. And this is based off of a real character in actual life. Um, if you guys know about Gary V, you know, uh, Claude Silver does a lot of those things as well. And so, uh, I believe on one spectrum, that is a good leader in my personal opinion, because that allows other executives to do a lot of great things. But on the flip side, I think another good version of a leader can look in a lot of different ways. I think a good leader looks like someone having empathy around their workflow desires. I think a good leader, uh, brings people into decision-making and gets a lot of data from them before they even make the rough draft decision. Like before you as a leader make a rough draft decision on anything, do not have so much ego 
thinking that you have all the data that you need, go to your team first. There's probably something that they've been seeing over the last six months that you can utilize. So those are examples of some good leadership, in my personal opinion. Uh, and then, Catherine, what was the – you were talking about kind of putting a team together. What was the second question? So the second part of the question is how can one help the team reach the goals together as one unit? Got it. Um, so you're kind of getting into like putting together and creating high-performance teams, honestly. Um, so I think a couple things – and I'm just going to give you guys high-level kind of areas, and then we can chew on these later if you want. But I think when you're trying to reach goals together and you're, and you're putting together high-performing teams, you really got to think about defining for each team member, you know, what does it look like for everyone to be adaptable? You know, what does it look like for everyone to have, like, personal excellence within the team? What does diversity mean for everyone on the team? When I mean diversity, I don't just mean gender or color. I mean, what does it look like for folks that have diversity of thought but still be heard and respected? What does it look like for people to have diversity of execution style but still be heard and respected and still be a part of the team and working in such a way where they are still respected and, 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 and executing at a high level? Um, I think what does it look like to give real-time feedback contextual to the way that person appreciates that feedback? So these are all elements of like putting together really high-performing teams where you guys can work together to get a lot of shit done those little nuances around accountability and adaptability and feedback and uh, diversity, all those things manifest and create a really strong team. And again, it takes a team effort, but someone has to be the leader of that team to say, hey, these are some things that we need to figure out and talk about. How do we want to go about these things? How do we want to go about giving real-time feedback? How do we want to go about being adaptable? How do we want to go about um, living into diversity? What are some of the diverse aspects of each person here? And then that's how you can kind of go about getting things done a little bit more productively, uh, faster, more efficiently, things of that nature. So I don't know if that helped, but. Yep. And I guess it's interesting to jump into a next question, right? It's like um, now that you're building the teams, um, now that you have to as a leader to look at um, not just kind of every team member's motivation, but also mode of work and how can you semi-standardize it, but at the same time, make sure that everybody's comfortable with it, right? Uh, one interesting thing that actually we face as a team, and it's a great question, is how do you monitor performance um, of all team members, right? Um, because everybody has different out input-output mode because we're all human beings, we're all different. Um, some of us are much more creative. Some of us are a lot more organized. We all have different modes. So how do, can you fairly monitor everybody's performance? And also, I guess, to add to this, we do have um, kind of systems that we have in place and we're building in terms of performance, not just for team members, but also overall kind of how does the service, how is the service doing, right? So when we're building these very pure data, systems that just are there to dictate hey there's a recurring issue you know with the way you're operating this particular service to signal that a change is needed how do you balance it and don't make the team members feel like they're being micromanaged or kind of they're under the microscope you know so it's not an offensive thing to monitor someone's performance it's really more about when you say monitor the performance like, tangibly, what do you mean? 
Well, for example, like having the kind of sort of, we have a team assessment system, right? Which yep. has two parts to it. It has qualitative kind of how does you, how do your peers see you, you know, kind of standard questions around yep. do your team members feel like you own the stuff that's assigned to you? Do you own your responsibilities? Are you on time? Is anybody having any issues particularly with you? Maybe you're constantly late or maybe you're not. But um, things like that, that could could be, it's kind of an open open way for people to give you feedback yeah. without clashing with you or making you feel bad. But like, hey, you know, this is great, but it would be nice if this person kind of worked on X where we can translate it into a very clear message. Hey, let's work on this. Um, but at the same time, we have quantitative right assessment where it's very data focused and it's usually tied to your performance. You know, like kind of the shitty way. Like, did you complete? Bit. Like, did you complete this? Yeah. Or how long does it take for you to complete yeah. a task or or like an order processing? And to some extent, right? It's not. It's it's double faced. For one, we want to understand the capacity of a person because we also want to understand how much you can give to this person without overloading them and over, yeah. right? But at the same time, you also want to understand kind of, okay, is the process, there? there's two sides to this, right? Like, is the process that we created for this particular responsibility, is, is, it, is it good or does it need improvement because if there's an inconsistency, and the data clearly shows it because it hard, it's hard to manipulate data. How can we address it in an effective way? Yeah, so I have a couple macro thoughts. Obviously, this is a maybe this is something you and I should maybe sit down and talk more about, like because there's like a lot of rabbit holes here. But I, I do have a I do have a macro thought. Um, I think any any department lead or any team lead or any manager. Um, I think should be sitting down with those that will be judged and open up everything you just talked about and just like potentially be in the mindset to co-create it from scratch again to make sure that everything is done in a way that it's equitable, that it's fair, that makes everyone feel comfortable. And the way you get there is just show them everything you just um, unpacked for me. Go even deeper. Show them the back end of like how you even got to what the system is currently and uh Ask them a few direct questions. Be like, "Hey, does this feel equitable? Does this feel fair? Is there any, is there any, pro- is there anything in this process that we may have missed? Like, for example, I know this may not be. Do you guys have sales teams actually? Nah, not really. Not really. <laughs> no particular sales teams. More of a customer success teams, right? So, like, is there? Yeah, well, I guess connect, yeah, connected to sales, is there a certain function inside of your organization that if the person inside your organization is not successful, it's not purely just on them? It's, it could be based off of customer or consumer reactions or input. Yep. So th- those subtle moments, right? What I would do tactically is I would say, hey, look, you know, and let's just say Tatiana, you know, let's say, you know, she, and I forget what part of the team's from. Let's say in theory, that's where she is. But like, great. You know, I noticed, and, and I'm sure this is not the case for you, Tatiana, but I would say, let's, you know, I've, I've noticed that there's a little bit of drop off in these areas, whatever the case is going to be. Instead of it being blanket on the quantitative and even in the qualitative, what I would really go deep into is like, 
how we're judging you in this particular piece based off of some of the consumer and customer data and input that could really impact whether you were successful or not with our process, like with the way we're judging you, are we giving those nuances enough light? Are we respecting those nuances and those variables enough? Because what I've seen when I've coached and worked with companies that have sales teams or customer service teams, they, they, don't, they don't give the employee enough flexibility and enough moments to raise their hand and say, hey, that three out of five you gave me or even that qualitative feedback you gave me is not accurate because there's a lot of data here that you didn't even, there's no process in place to even give me, give you the contextual realities of actually what happened. And so that may not be the problem with you guys, but across the board, it's an example of what you should do. What you should do is you really should honestly sit down with your team members again and like open up the books and like show them everything and say, hey, look, with the systems and the processes that we have in place currently, are, is, are these things equitable? Are they fair? Are they honest? Do they have enough? Do they have enough fluidity and enough flexibility for you to feel comfortable to consistently be judged? Based off, of, uh, uh, based off of a uh, performance perspective. So again, I know that's not the greatest answer because we'd have to jump down a little bit more, but I think the words that I want to use are like co-creation, bring your team back into the fold, show them what you have, and be open to recreating these things, but taking every single team member's input and data into consideration uh, to make sure that the way you are perf- are judging them is actually the way that they they should be accurately judged or they desire to be judged if that makes sense so i know that was like a nuanced one but yeah i hope that makes sense yep and then next one is a good one so how to manage an internal escalation right so how do you manage a conflict within your team oh yeah uh that's another uh rabbit hole um yeah, so I mean, it's broad. So, you, how how do you manage it? Uh, kind of. How do you handle it? I guess you know, like. How are you guys currently handling it? I guess that's probably a better question. I guess it depends. We don't really have that many conflicts that escalate, um, but you know, I'm all for open communication. I feel like we as human beings can read each other's minds yeah. fortunately or unfortunately probably fortunately but um without clearly communicating what's bothering you how would the other person know that something's bothering you so, so um aside from setting up all these kind of forms and systems where you can anonymously submit feedback especially if you're have a problem with leadership and you can clearly say what's bothering you i guess sometimes the clashes happen and we're an international multicultural team so yeah. clashes are doomed to happen to some extent right because we come from different perspectives of what is okay and what is not okay um yeah i'm kind of a, usually a supporter of okay let's sit down and talk about it probably you need a medi- medi- mediator so somebody yeah. in the middle who is not on every like anybody's side really but can openly proactive speaking right so it's like okay I like I like doing um, I don't think we we did it on the team but in general I really like the approach where you sit down with two people that are having issues 
And there's a, usually like somebody, a third party, right? So a neutral person. And it's a great example. What is it? I forgot how it's called. But basically when one person says, hey, I feel like, you know, whatever. And then they say what's bothering them. And then the other person has to repeat it in their own words, starting with, so I hear you say that. And then they have to repeat it, what the other person said in their own words so they can understand each other. So kind of, yeah, sometimes, you know, you have a language barrier. It doesn't matter if you come from the same country or speak the same language. It's just the way we as human beings understand even the same words or assign meanings to different words is very different. So I have a, I have a couple of yeah. tips. Hey, I have a couple of tips at a high level. I'm not even going to get into like the actual conflict resolution piece because what you just did what you just did is what I was going to do, which is like to kind of like break down a typical conflict resolution process that a lot of managers and leaders know. Um, I'll give you something that's a little outside the box and I'm not actually joking with the first tip and then I'm going to give you a couple more. Um, I would research, go on YouTube, find some blogs, some articles. Um, I'd research like marriage counseling. I'm being very, I'm being actually really serious. The, the themes, the themes and the best principles. Like if you were to type in Marriage counseling best practices in Google or like like I do these weird things all the time where you take something that is not necessarily in the same medium as yours, but the themes of it you can pull out and push into your own medium because that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about two folks that have an intimate relationship with each other. Intimate does not always have to mean marriage or sexual things of that nature. It can mean you guys closely work together or closely interact with each other on a consistent basis. So look up marriage counseling best practices. There are themes in there that you want to extract. Look up a threat response and reward responses in the brain. Uh, I, I can give you a little bit of that now, actually. So everyone's brain, we have subconscious, we have conscious, we have all these different things, we have memory banks, we have all these different components. And with our subconscious and our conscious and our memory banks, long, long, long story short, we have threat responses and we have reward responses. A threat response puts us in a situation where we want to be very defensive. We want to protect our emotions. We want to protect the way that our brain is reacting to those words you were mentioning, right? Words, um, situations, um, how a leader may react to us may activate our memory bank and make, make us feel like it did in our first internship when we were 22 and that person did X, Y, and Z and that is very similar, right? Like all these things are very important. And so what's really vital is if you study and understand memory banks, subconscious, conscious brains, and also threat responses and reward responses, if you know a little bit more about the human brain and the human behavior, what you'll be able to do is when you go to those conflict resolution conversations, you'll be able to come there a little bit more uh, prepared to have empathy around what's actually happening in that person's brain. Because what you have to remember is all they're trying to do really is protect their own ego and make their brain not hurt anymore. That's actually at a very literal level, that's what's happening. When someone is emotional or upset about something or doesn't agree with your perspective, it's probably because there's been a little bit of an uh, a ego that's been dented, uh, a confliction on someone's overall perspective of how they see the world, uh, something you said that was very similar to something that's in their memory banks. And I know that's really sciencey and weird, but it's just the truth. And when you know that that is the truth versus an opinion or versus them being super emotional, you can kind of look at the conversation at a little bit more of an empathetic, objective lens that typically helps. So look those things up. 
Marriage counseling is also some really good things as well. The themes inside of those, there's a lot of great like consultants and therapists that like have done a lot of great work in that category that are just all over YouTube and blogs and uh, just research and learn and then try to apply all the same things that Catherine just said from a conflict resolution perspective as well. And then that's a good one. <laughs> um, how do you delegate responsibilities efficiently? Oh yeah, that's a big one. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm like, I feel the pain. So there's a couple areas of delegation that I think we should talk about, right? I think there's one area is, um, I think one area is, uh, I think more leaders need to be judged on not delegating enough. Like, and I usually don't get upset. I just got emotional with my, I just brought in a, a COO to some of my projects. And I said, I said, why are you doing those four things right there? And she, and it was kind of an emotional conversation. And I was trying to get her to understand and realize that you have no business doing any of those things. You're hindering the team long term. You're not spending your energy in the right place. It just doesn't make any sense. And so that mind shift is something that's really, really important. Um, so at a very simple level, whoever asks that question, whoever thinks about delegation, audit yourself first. Before you even get into the, the best principles and the practices of delegating, audit yourself first and make sure that you have begun the process of being comfortable with delegating almost everything you can delegate. And... The manager, whether it's Catherine, whether it's Dimitri, whoever it's going to be, uh, five languages. Yeah, love language is important. Yeah, that is very true. See, see, that's exactly what I was talking about. See, somebody, uh, I think Isabel just popped up a link. Like, that's themes of, like, marriage and, like, relationship counseling that, like, crosses over into the workplace, by the way. Uh, sorry, Isabel, you kicked my ADD in. Uh, but uh, long story short... Audit yourself first when it comes to the delegation and make sure that you are comfortable delegating as much as you can delegate off of your plate. And what you should be delegating off of your plate, in my personal opinion, are things that two areas. One, things that you know you're a subject matter expert in and maybe the best person to do, but you know it's not scalable. So you need to start delegating it early, being a great leader, being a great coach, and building up a team around you. That's what I think I've done the best in my career. Um, I build teams from day one. I do things very differently from a founder-esque world. A lot of founders, a lot of entrepreneurs, they start projects. They're the only first person there. They're doing everything. I do it the exact opposite way. I come up with a thesis, and I find six humans, and I put them on the project. And I get them to believe in the concept. And I give them all the power to do that. And I probably could do a lot of what they're doing, but I want to put them in a position of power very, very early. And I want to see more team team leads, more managers, more executives do just that. The second you guys think of anything that is super vital and important that maybe you're the best person to do, find someone else that maybe is an 8 out of a 10 to your 10 out of a 10 and give them that task very early, in my personal opinion. So that's a little bit more of a tactical, different perspective on delegation. Um, and then I think the last piece on delegation, when you're delegating, something that also now comes into place is judging the results of the delegated task, right? 
And so you have to remember, when you delegate it, you are delegating a task that has now been locked in to your subconscious and to your memory banks. So what does that mean? It means it comes fucking naturally to you. <laughs> so please, and I, and I dropped the F-bomb, so please, because this, this pisses me off, please, as leaders, slow down on the judgment, slow down on the performance management of someone that you have delegated tasks that you've done your entire career. And this is the first time in their career that they've ever done this. And now you're judging them very quickly. Be very empathetic. Go to them directly and say, look, I realize that my 10 out of 10 is probably going to drop down to a 6 out of 10 for you. But it is okay. What I want you to do, this is you, the leader, talking to your, your, your direct report. What I want you to do is I want you to tell me, what can I do to make you safe? What can I do to allow you and to help you to bring up any issues you have the second the issue comes up so that I can give you all that I have from a executive coaching, you know, knowledge-based resource perspective to put you in the best position to execute and win? What communication style will work well for you? What cadence of checking in will work well for you? And oh, by the way, I want you to tell me what does micromanagement look like for you so that I can avoid that. So that I can give you the trust and the patience and the guidance that you actually need to see this come true. And then let's just put a little date on it and then we'll check back in and see how things are. And I typically use three months. Give someone three months of a task that you delegated to see if they can get it from them being a zero out of 10 of skill to at least a six or a seven. Now, any of that makes sense, Catherine? Because I try to give a different answer than I think people typically give. Would that make sense? Yeah. No, and uh, I also think there is, um, to add to that, right, you have to keep in mind that we're all a team and every single person on the team is there for a reason because they're bringing something different to the table. So delegating is important, not just because it saves your time and kind of encourages people to grow. You're also helping somebody else grow, um, yep. ideally, <laughs> right, with like delegating and helping them kind of step in into something or check something out within their role. Um, it's also important to not micromanage because, again, as a team, we are a unit to, to extend where you have to trust your team members. And I feel like that comes in back to your, you know, marriage counseling. Like, it's very similar, as, but like from, from my perspective in a relationship, like everything is built on trust. It's really easy to you know destroy that trust because once you kind of crumble it it's gone you can't really re-establish it that easily and i think it works the same on a team because when you delegate you trust someone to do something to complete their part right even if you're not delegating a whole project or a whole task and that also helps build the team and that connection and that happiness, because if everything goes good, everybody's happy and the trust level just got elevated. Um, so, but you as a leader also need to, to show that trust to people. Like, yes, you know, people can screw up. Uh, you know, sometimes, you know, things will fall through, but at the same time, you do need to show that you trust the person to do something because it also sig sends all of these signals of, hey, hey, I trust you. I believe in you. All of these things are important because 
if you're constantly micromanaging, if the people feel like you ask them to do something and then you're just checking in every every hour and every day, like, what's up? What's it? Like, just do it yourself then. But it also adds to frustration and then kind of puts the whole dynamic in a very negative way. So I feel like it's important to keep that in mind. Yep, yep. And oh, the last thing, and, and don't judge, and don't judge their execution style. Give a little breathing room for them to recreate and readjust the workflow uh, uh, style and execution. Like maybe there was a way that you had did it that worked really well for you. Don't be so egotistical if you see them tweak a few things, right? Um, now, now I know at the same time, you know, I'm, I'm putting on my operations cap and I'm having. Jess, my, my now CEO in my ear saying, well, we also have to have a system and a process that's scalable. And I respect that, right? But at the same time, there are always little subtleties in the way someone does something that you can get away with, right? Don't, don't be so picky on certain things. At the end of the day, as long as the standard pieces of the operation and the process doesn't really change, the subtleties within it, if it makes a person feel a little bit more comfortable and the results are getting done, just step back a little bit. I know. Give them time to breathe and figure it out. Yeah. Um, where are we? We have like 10 minutes. Um, this one is a good one. Um, so how do you mention your own performance as a leader when your team potentially is kind of executing most of the things that could be measurable, right? Yeah. Um, two ways. Two ways. I'm thinking about something. Uh, the first is I think you measured by. It's actually a tough one, um, and I'm and I'm pausing because I actually had a rough moment with this early in my career uh, with a company. I think the first way is if you're the executive that is putting the management, like you're judging management. Like you're, you're, you know, you have a fleet of managers and you're judging if they're successful or not. I think, um, I think what's really important is to have flexibility within the performance management system. And Kathy, you know, this, you probably heard me talk about this. I know I have you, everyone on this call that's, that's a manager probably had these moments. You can listen to everything that I say you can do. You can apply empathy. You can apply flexibility. You can provide adjusting in a workflow. You can provide adjusting of a communication style. You can be a mother. You can be a friend. You can be a father. You can be a brother. You can be a sister. You can be someone that goes down and you can be the best learning and development coach. You can be everything under the sun for them. And at the end of the day, some people just don't get it. And sometimes it just doesn't click. If you're an executive judging your managers, Make sure you're keeping track of all the things that they did, all the times that they tried to help, all the times they tried to support their team members. Because if their team members don't reach their financial targets, or if their team members don't accomplish a task in the speed in which you need them to accomplish a task, or if your team members are not doing what they need to be doing, open up the hood a little bit, look at the data, and see, oh, wow. You know, this manager really did check every single box. And I just talked to the 
a, a few of the team members that are not performing well, they actually agree. Like they actually uh, admit that the manager did everything in the in their power to help them. I don't believe the manager should get fired in that scenario. I genuinely do not. I believe if you're the head of sales, for instance, and some of the folks on your sales team are not performing well, and you have done everything in your power to support them in a, in a contextual way, and you've applied all the best practices, I believe it is not a blanket statement that, they, that you should be removed from your position or that you should be judged harshly. I just do. Because I think there's nuances there. I think it is possible that one of your direct reports just sucked. I think that's possible. And so I guess why I brought that up is because when I think about judging management and judging leadership, I think you have to give that leader a lot, lots of nuance and lots of flexibility and lots of adaptability and sometimes the benefit of the doubt. But the only way you can do that is by having a system in place where you judge and you keep track and you tally all the things that they're doing to try to support their team members. And then, of course, you have to go to their team members that are not performing well to make sure that those things are true and accurate as well. So, I don't know. And, Catherine, did, did that resonate at all? Because I don't know like I don't know if you guys have had an issue with that, but I know companies have had problems with that. Like, the managers are being judged too harshly when they honestly did everything in their power to be a great manager. What, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I feel like... It's kind of twofold, right, as you mentioned. And I feel like one side of it is as a leader, I feel like every manager is a, has to be a leader. Yep. Because uh, manager and leader are two different things. They are. To be honest, um, the meanings are. And then um, I feel like your team's performance does reflect on your performance as a leader. Right, because if the team is motivated, if they feel comfortable going to you with questions or issues, that also shows. It doesn't mean that they're performing flawlessly. Nobody is world human beings, but at the same time, having those open communication channels, having that transfer of expertise, because you're a leader of them yep. for a reason, right? Yep. So having those things in place and also, like, as a leader, managing and um, mentioning in a timely manner that hey something's off whether it's a process whether it's one person you know whatever the reasoning is but being able to mention it and address it in a timely manner so it doesn't escalate um i think that translates into kind of the leadership performance as well it does um and those it's a big part of it and i was going to say those are examples of kind of like those those boxes that need to be checked Right. All those things you just mentioned are areas that, again, like objectively manifest into members of your team performing well or members of your team not performing well. And I was probably giving the benefit of the doubt to a leader saying, I'm assuming they're doing those things, but they could very easily not be doing those things as well. So those also are the categories that if you have not checked those boxes, yes, the performance and the, and the, and the judgment of you may may actually be harsh or may not be the greatest because there were still a couple boxes that you could have clicked and that you could have checked that you did not. And so I think even at an organizational level, Catherine, I think also like in like some leadership and like management, co and I know they're different, but leadership kind of coaching, I think at, at an organizational level, once someone gets put into the, the position of being a leader inside of a company, I think there should be, I think there should be clearly like, in a 15-5 or 
in an air table or in a sauna or something where like all of those things that we just mentioned and many more are like literal boxes that can be checked and like like little like like little paragraph sections where you can like add nuances and data and context around what happened when you so-called check that box because I think there are so many subtleties that go into leadership and management. I know they're two different things uh, that that data tracking would be really helpful because I think I see too many leaders get removed from their positions off of gut feeling and reaction and just objectively it, seeing people, you know what I mean? So yeah, go ahead. Yeah. And, and it's like what unites both, you know, leadership and management, but also shows effectiveness um, off a person in that position is a few things aside from kind of, you know, your key motivation and all of that stuff. But it's also, I think a big part of it is providing clarity Yep. because in a, in majority of situations, you're kind of a middle person between overall kind of strategy that being translated to you, you know, especially like, you know, when you when you work with the CEO, like how can you filter that out, translate it. So people know which direction we're going because that in, in, them understanding where we are going with this and why also motivates them to think about it and be more, you know, proactive with suggesting ideas that are going in the same direction. And at the same time, it's like, how can you now pure, like clearly communicate that, but also, okay, how can you distill action items, no matter how granular or how like high level, depending on everybody's kind of team position and all of that stuff. But how can we provide action items that are also clear so people understand, okay, but now how will we get there to yep. the direction that we're going? And that also, I feel like, contributes a lot to effectiveness of your team and effectiveness of you as a leader because you can have amazing talent working you know, within your team, but if they have no clue or no understanding of what's actually happening and what we're all working on, that's when you know, kind of you're ineffective as a leader because everybody's just trying to do something versus moving in the same direction and kind of making things happen as planned versus, you know, just kind of shooting off the hip and trying to figure it out because there are smart people there on the team for these. Yeah, drop drop the mic on that one. That was that was that was it right there. Yeah, that was that was a that was a you broke it down very well there. That was a drop of the mic moment. So uh, I have nothing else to add, and that's very rare. <laughs> Damn it. Taking away your job, Anthony. <laughs> there you go. Don't call me again. <laughs> uh, no. um, but I do know where um kind of at the stopping point time. Um, is there any kind of last-minute questions 